The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And right on cue, it's Jim Trotter in that seat today. Not Michael Smith. Jim Trotter <laughs> is here. And I'm very happy to see you, Jim Trotter. But Michael Smith going on and on about Tom Brady not coming to work and he should be there and and uh, he's not here. He's not here. But you are. That was hilarious. Are that was hilarious. We are better for it. <laughs> I mean, only only Mike Smith. Only Mike Smith can uh, can can make those connections and like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't be going so hard on Tom Brady uh, when I'm not coming to when I'm not coming to work myself. But uh, we're here, it's brother from another. It's a great show. It's a great experience. It's a lifestyle. Check us out anywhere you're listening to podcasts. Thank you if you're watching on Peacock TV. We appreciate you listening on Sirius XM Channel 85. Uh, welcome to the show. And Jim, I know you're high on the Philadelphia Eagles, but before we get to them, I want to go to the depths. Uh, you know, it's not the deep, deep. Deep depths, but it's lower than anybody <laughs> expected. It's not, uh, let's say it this way it's not mile high plus like people in Denver thought it was going to be. You have another loss, sec- second straight week in overtime, and really an ugly one. All right, last week, uh, the Broncos scored nine points in overtime. Uh, this week, they scored 16 points. They go up seven, they actually get a touchdown. They score 16 points <laughs> and lose to the to the Chargers and and Jim, I, I look at it and I say, look, I know Russell Wilson has not played well, but weren't we mistaken? Weren't, weren't we silly to think that the Broncos were one quarterback away from being a contender? Because if you just look at it, if you look at their 2021 season and look at their offseason and even their draft, they have they have a lot more problems had and have a lot more problems beyond Russell Wilson. No, nah, I got to disagree with you there. Um, really? I'm one of those people. Yes, I am one of those people who thought they were a quarterback away. Defensively, they're very good, very talented. Offensively, they have players at the skill positions. Do Look, they? the reality, yeah, they do. do. They? I, I do. Yeah, I do. I believe that that wide okay. receiver core has ability. Um, is it one of the top? receiver groups in the NFL. I wouldn't go that far, but it is a talented receiver group. The problem I see here, um, Michael, to be honest with you, is I see a quarterback who is better playing off script than he is running a timing offense, which is what Nathaniel Hackett wants to run. And if you can't operate efficiently out of a timing offense, you're going to have the struggles that the Broncos are having with Russell Wilson. What did we see last night? When a play broke down or he had to go off script, he was at his most effective self. When he tried to throw on time from the pocket, they had issues. So for me, it really is that simple. Um, The defense played well enough and has played well enough to win this year. They simply haven't gotten good play from the quarterback position or from the offense in general. 
I I really haven't seen a lot of teams that have just dropped in a quarterback, simply dropped in a quarterback without some fundamental changes and then gone on to win a Super Bowl. Like uh, so somebody out there is saying, "Well, hey, how about I saw Tampa the Rams, I saw the Rams do it last year. I saw the Rams do okay. it last year and I saw Tampa Bay right, do it the year before." Yeah. But you you didn't see Tampa Bay do it. I'm going to get back to that in a second. Are the Rams last okay. year, the Rams, the Rams with Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl. Okay, right. with Jared Goff, they went to the Super Bowl. So it's not like they were coming from non-playoff team the year before, 7 and 10. They didn't go from 7 and 10 to getting Matthew Stafford and we say, "Oh wow, look at the Rams." We'd already said, "Oh wow, look at the Rams." We'd already said, "Oh wow, look at Sean McVay. He was an established coach." Uh, and and they were a quarterback away. There okay, there you go. Tampa they brought in Tom Brady. They drafted a right tackle with their first round pick. They brought in Rob Gronkowski. They brought in other pieces, including Antonio Brown uh, for their Super Bowl run. They made some changes to support Tom Brady. They had a little bit of a clash with the offense. So it was Bruce Arians' offense for a while. And then it was Tom Brady. And then they kind of met in the middle to create a new offense. You can't just take Russell Wilson Drop him onto a flawed, sorry, Jim, just disagree with you. Flawed Denver roster. Then bring in this coach, this offensive coordinator. My worst thing. I hate these people. I hate them. Not, I mean, hate this, this profile, not, not personal. But I hate offensive coordinators who don't call plays. That's, that's, my, that's my pet peeve. Don't take, you were an offensive coordinator. Oh, you were. Oh, you didn't call plays. Oh, okay. So why the hell am I calling you an offensive coordinator? So they bring in Nathaniel Hackett, first-time play caller and first-time head coach, and we think that's supposed to go to the Super Bowl? Come on. They got and, – and, and Jim, let me add this. They'd already talked about some of the, some of the problems uh, in, in the front office before they had that transition where, where Peyton is the general manager and they kind of uh, kicked John Elway. You know, he's kicked way upstairs or, or whatever his position is because he didn't do – a fantastic job uh, the last several years post Peyton Manning. So if you really look under the hood of the Denver Broncos, I think we're just a little too casual saying, hey, Russell Wilson's here. Let's get ready. Super Bowl, Super Bowl or bust. Let, let's be clear here, Michael. In terms of John Elway, he did not do a good job with the quarterback position after Peyton Manning. He did identify talent at other positions. So from that standpoint, I'm going to disagree with you on that. What I'm going to ask you is, as you why look at the Denver Broncos, why, why is, isn't he, why who isn't here? He the, why, why isn't Elway the, the, the sole decision maker anymore? You think he got tired? Do you think he wanted to step aside? I think because he couldn't get it right. He couldn't get the quarterback position right. Go back and look at how many quarterbacks they went through, whether it was Osweiler or Lynch or Simeon. Or, or who's the last one that just got traded to Seattle? Drew he Locke. couldn't get it right. Locke. Yeah, he couldn't get yeah. it right after Peyton Manning. So, look, we always say, what do we say? It's a quarterback-driven league. If you can't get the quarterback position right, it's very difficult for a team to win. I would ask you, as you look at the Denver Bronco roster and their starting lineups, where do you see the biggest issues? Oh, the biggest issue. Okay, I'd say the two biggest issues are, are – Okay, two. There are three important. The, the top three positions, top three uh, important positions in a franchise, in no particular order: 
quarterback, head coach, ownership. Okay, so they got new ownership. Wait, wait, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I'm not going to – I'm not – wait, hold up. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. We're talking roster here, right? Wasn't that what we were discussing? Okay, on the roster. Number one on the roster is quarterback. Okay, I'd say say quarterback. Sure. Mm -hmm. It is. But if you had – if you had excellent, what I'm pushing back against, if you had excellent quarterback play from the Broncos, I, I, I don't think that they're the Buffalo Bills. So I think the Bills have a better roster. Not, I don't think they're Kansas They're not Kansas City. They're, okay, maybe they should be a playoff team. Maybe instead of two and four, they should be four and two. Maybe. But I think we've gone too far. We went too far in the offseason, is my point, uh, on the Broncos by saying, hey, bring in Russell Wilson and just watch Russ Cook. Well, no, and they, and, 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 and weren't we here? Didn't we talk about? Wasn't it us when we talked about Melvin Gordon? Then Melvin Gordon, wasn't he the one who said, "You know, man, I, you know, I don't want to be carrying the ball all the time. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to. You know, some days I just don't want to work." No, no, he 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 said they hit they hit harder in the beginning of the year than they do later in the year, right? So okay, so no, 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 let me point this out (laughs) before we bring in our company. Before we bring in our company and hear from Russell Wilson, I want to point out to you, I've already identified they got an offensive coordinator who never called plays, and they have a running back who doesn't like getting hit. Other than that, wait, but you, well, oh, hold, wait, no, hold on here. I mean, you're completely ignoring Javante Williams here. I mean, he's, he was the front line running back. He was the front line running back. Look, here's the thing with Russell Wilson. I, and, and I was one of those people who said they were going to be vastly improved. But I don't think anyone, I hope no one was saying that they were just going straight to the Super Bowl. What we were saying is with Russell Wilson, they will be a contender. Which is a which is vastly different from saying they are yeah. a Super Bowl front runner. So so I would push back in that way. Look, I would say this to you. I don't think there's any way you will look me in the eye here and tell me you did not believe that Denver would be better with Russell Wilson at quarterback than Drew Locke or Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch or Brock Osweiler. Would you give me that? Hold on. Let's listen to Russell Wilson. Here's Russell Wilson. Shoulder did good, you know. Um, but listen, I, I think the only thing that matters is us winning. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The only thing that matters is us winning and finding a way. Um, been through tough times before. I know. Um, I know that. Uh, I know that we can come on the other side. We got too many good football players and and, and uh, guys who work their butts off every day. And so we got to make that happen. And um, you know, that, there's no excuse for it. We got we got to find a way. Like once again, I thought we did some really good things. Uh, we did some things that we should have tightened up and done better. And so, uh, what I'm focused on is, you know, finding a way to keep doing the good things that we were doing. You know, what, what you know, how do we keep doing those things? And um, and uh, so, um, you know, tonight was unfortunate. We should have won that game. We felt like, and uh, we got we got we got to keep going. Uh, there's Russell Wilson. Uh, is he better than Drew Locke, Mike Golick Jr.? Is he better than Brock Osweiler, Brandon Newman? Is he better? Dynamic duo is here. Good to see you guys. Uh, so, hey, Brandon, let's just start with you, man. Like, when you look at the Broncos, you know, Jim Trotter's saying they should be contenders with Russell Wilson. Uh, when you look at the Broncos, what did you think and what did you see? 
think it's the perfect example of a team that looks great on paper. And once you get the logistics planned out and you have to play the game, they don't have a lot of things that they can uh, lean on. And we thought we could lean on Russell Wilson in this league. Engines used to be the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are the engines of the team, right? But nowadays, it's, it's everybody, all the other things that are going right. And the Broncos have it with the defense. I think the Broncos' weakest link is Russell Wilson. I don't know if there's a bunch of quarterbacks out there that you can fix it, but now he's got all that Walmart money. I don't think you can walk this thing back, but Russell Wilson is the issue for this offense uh, right now. And I think you can blame the head coach and all these other things, but we've seen quarterbacks outplay all those different variables plenty of times in this league and Russell Wilson's not doing it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah, Russ, listen, Based off where a lot of people, myself included, place Rust in the quarterback hierarchy, we probably overstated a little bit of what he's capable of, right? He's not in that Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson tier of guys that are going to go out and affect the game differently and elevate you beyond circumstances, maybe at this point. And maybe we owe Pete Carroll a little more of apology in the past. Now, uh, Michael, going back to your original prompt here, yeah, he's better than every one of those other quarterbacks the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning was there. Full stop. The one thing that I think is, is big in all this is obviously you've seen the dip in production this year, but... Now we're seeing the injury stuff pile up, and that used to be the superpower for Russell Wilson, right? He was always on the field. He was one of the more uh, you know durable quarterbacks in the league year in and year out. And so if you're not even getting the benefit off that right now, the return on investment continues to sour pretty early here for Denver, who does have other problems on offense, and the head coach is certainly a part of that. But when the things that you came and thought you were going to be able to count on with Russell Wilson aren't there, the house of cards falls apart pretty quick. Look, I'll say this, Michael, too, and I, and I said it to you a moment ago. To me, this is an example also of a franchise not doing a good job in terms of a scouting. When we get young quarterbacks who come into the league often and they fail, we put it on the player and we say he's a bust or he's this or he's that, and we fail to recognize that he was put into a system maybe that doesn't accentuate his skill set. The reality here is that Russell Wilson's skill set does not match up with Nathaniel Hackett's vision of what he wanted to run offensively. But yet they must have thought that they could drop Russell in and that he could fit into what Nathaniel Hackett wants to do in terms of a timing offense. So something's going to have to give here. Either Nathaniel Hackett is going to say, you know what? I got to let Russ cook in a way that Russ is best at cooking or else this thing is not going to get better. And that's just it. And again, if you go back to last night's game, he was at his best when he was off script, when he was outside the pocket, those sorts of things. So unless they make that change, I don't see it getting any better. Well, and the tough it's part with easy. that is, too, letting him do all those things doesn't really work. Like, we're going to very quickly do what we did with Baker Mayfield last year and just forget that he's going into these games very hurt. You saw him on the sideline with the ice pack, like, what, a partially torn ladder what he's dealing with? Like, this is a quarterback. Throwing in rotation in that area of your body matter a lot. For this guy creating after the play, this hamstring and whatever the results of the imaging are matter a lot. And I get, I mean, hell, we did it with Dustin Hopkins last night. Where we're just like, yeah, sure, go out and kick your own nose, hit these four field goals with a hamstring that's falling apart, and we're just going to expect you to do that because that's how this league operates. I get it, but with Russ, all the stuff that you may get good stuff out of seems to be getting banged up right now physically in a way that if he's out there, we'll certainly forget, but is no doubt going to factor into those things just maybe not being possible, especially to the let's Russ, Russ cook factor of this. 
Okay, but let's go to the uh, Russ Let's Ride part of this where we talk about him <laughs> as ride. a personality <laughs> let's and as ride. a leader on this football team, right? Because there, there's so yeah. many different things. There's so many variables about Russell Wilson that we got, we got a chance to ignore because he was producing on the field, right? Now that this team is trying to be led by Russell Wilson, I have a little bit of concern of how he can rally the troops and get everyone to uh, push towards a playoff push when I don't really, I mean, you see the the means and the things going on in the sidelines there. I don't know if those guys on the team think of Russell Wilson as the savior, the way he was supposed to be when he got signed to that franchise. See, here we go. Here we go. No, I agree with that a thousand percent. Oh, so now, oh, see, like, you know, this is just like, like Russell, Russell Wilson is just a convenient He's a convenient scapegoat for everything that's wrong. Now you just said, you just said, hey, this timing offense of Nathaniel Hackens timing offense doesn't really connect with what Russell Wilson's skill set is. Now it's too easy for me to say, how does Nathaniel Hackett know what he wants to run when he's never run anything? That's too easy. I won't go there. But I will say this. I will say I, I just can't stand these guys. I can't stand them. Um, <laughs> I will say, I will say, why didn't they go out? Why did, why was he their best option? Like, if you look at, you guys know how important coaching is in the league. Yes, Wilson has his problems. He's got his problems, but he does have a track record of winning, of going to Super Bowls, of winning a Super Bowl, of being a winning player. Stop. See, stop. Stop. He doesn't. He doesn't. They didn't win that Super Bowl because of Russell Wilson, and they didn't go oh, so necessarily because of can't Russell win. Wilson. Guy can't Stop. win with you. He can't. He can't win, Charlie. Okay, so they didn't win. They didn't win because of him. Uh, and now, dude, don't when insult the team that is defense str- like that. Now, when the team, don't insult now when the team that is struggling, like that. Okay, now the team is struggling. Now the team is struggling, and so they're losing solely because of him. So he's the reason they lose, but he gets no credit for winning. No, no, no. And and I want to defer to our guest. I'm not saying they're losing solely because of Russell Wilson, but I am saying the quarterback, as we continue to say, is the most important player on the field. And if he is not playing well, obviously unless it's he should Seattle be under the mic. Legion of, unless it's a legion well, of boom. I, 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 I think but when it's a legion matters. of boom, it's a defense. Context matters in all of these things, though, because to Jim's point here, Thank you, sir. you look you look around what's happened recently in the way that we judge quarterbacks. This happens to Kirk Cousins in Minnesota all the time. When you're brought there to be the difference, to get them to the place they couldn't go and you can't do that, you're going to be judged by that metric and very little else. Kirk Cousins can go out and be as statistically efficient as he wants, as productive in the regular season as he wants, but if he continues to fall short in big moments in the playoffs, he's going to be judged accordingly. That's also a money thing. Matthew Stafford was brought out to Los Angeles to be the difference. Jared Goff was looked at as a quarterback with limits, and Matthew Stafford got over that hump. He is imperfect. Matthew Stafford at times down the end of the season thwarted the Rams' efforts in the regular season, but came up big in the postseason, and so that's the metric, right, wrong, or indifferent, the majority of people are going to judge him by. Within the body of all of this, there's room to talk about what specifically that quarterback offers you. In Matthew Stafford's case, it was bigger throws downfield and an ability to run different offense. In Russell Wilson, now again, you were brought here to be the quarterback to lift this team and specifically this offense beyond. We can ignore the fact that the offensive line's not playing as well as it used to. They let Mike Munchak go and walk when this regime change came in. One of the legitimate movers at that position, coaching that position in the NFL, Garrett Bowles, is now hurt but had been regressing before that. You'd seen more holding penalties on the edge of that. 
all of these other cracks started to show Tim Patrick injured before the season. You guys mentioned Javante Williams going down. There's plenty that looks different than what you're sold. But at the end of the day, when we go pass fail on this, like a lot of the college classes I love taking, Russell Wilson was brought here to be the difference. And so far he's not. And that's just going to be the reality of it. I mean, Preach. he's so much not <laughs> exactly. Amen. Let the church say amen. Uh, he's so much not the difference that we didn't believe Pete Carroll when he said that Geno Smith looked good. We were like, eh, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, we really were, were second guessing. Now, Geno Smith is one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Like, I, when it comes to what a quarterback can offer you on the field and intangibles, I don't know what Russell Wilson brings to the table at this point, other than a great first quarter on Monday Night Football. Okay. He's still I, got I, a pretty I, deep I ball. Like, Russ can still do some of yeah. those things. And Jim brought up the extracurriculars there, but. It was for so long, us looking and feeling like he was being held back in Seattle, and especially late in that tenure there when it was the war between him and Pete stylistically. And now we look back and I have to throw my hand up and say, you know what? Maybe I ignored some signs that were starting to show up there towards the end of a quarterback that's just not built to drop back and make things happen the way we saw in Bill's Chiefs with both of the aliens. Okay, well, listen, uh, and I do want to talk about the Eagles here in a second, but Jim, I just want to, I want to get you on the record here. <laughs> and I, I want to get you on the record. I want to get you on the record. If Russell Wilson, so let, let's define who Russell Wilson is as, as, as a quarterback. If you just need to define him, he wasn't the reason. If he's got a ring, but he's not the reason for the ring. Like, what is Michael what, Holly? Okay, wait, and, and you know, have, you know, could they have done it without him? No, I I'm respect you, you too much, and I respect your football acumen too much for you to sit here and tell me that the Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch were not the engine that drove those Seahawks teams to the Super Bowl. Sure they were. Sure they were. What I'm asking you is, though, that's the engine. But is it so much of an engine that it could have been done with? How far can we go down and still get a Super Bowl champion? Or right, Russell Wilson's at a level. Can we go down to, could they have done it with Geno Smith? Could they have done it with Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, like how far do you want to go? That's what I'm saying. Like define who he is. If he's not the reason for winning the Super Bowls, I'll give you that. Then tell me who he is. And and and, and if he's that, if he's not that great, why did the Broncos give up so much for him? Well, they gave up so much for him because I think you looked at it in its totality in terms of the Seahawks. I think what his first, I think, eight years, they they did not have a losing season or won 10 games or whatever it was. I, I don't remember what the number is, but there was a lot of success. And he made a lot of splash plays. As, as Mike talked about earlier, he throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, he made passes. He had um, the ability to evade all of those things. But what I'm saying to you now, and look how many coordinators he went through there late in Seattle where there was the friction of, what are we going to do? Are we going to play to Russ's strengths or are we going to play to what Pete wants to do, which is play defense and run the football? Russell didn't want to do that. He wanted to put up numbers. He wanted to be on this Mount Rushmore with the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's of the world where he came out and said, I know I'm great. I don't need anyone to tell me I, I'm great. I know I'm great, right? I'm Mr. Unlimited. Well, he's not. He is, he's a good quarterback. And in certain situations in the past where he had to go off script, he was a really good quarterback. But to all of a sudden now drop him in here and to think that we're not going to look at him and say he has to be the difference maker at the most important position on the field when he is paid the way he is paid 
and he came in with the whole let's ride thing and what they were going to do. Oh, see, I'm y'all. sorry, Michael. That is the problem. He is too memeable to be in this spot. Yes, he exactly. is too memeable yes. in key moments to go out here and fail this way. The one more football thing I'll point out too is Russ, the uh, rushing quarterback, who used to be one of the most efficient runners in the league, was good at yep. taking care of himself. We have saw that decline in recent years, and I think that's affected a lot of the advantages of his game in ways that probably aren't talked about enough. Let's ride. Who gave him that? Who gave him that advice to just go with that? Hey, hey hold Let's up. Ride. But if the re- if the reports are true, last night was the first time he did not end a press conference with that. Can't do what it. What should no, tell you? you yeah, you can't if ride. It's true. You can't ride. You can't ride hey. scoring 16 points. I'm sorry. That's not going to get it done. Uh, let's talk about Philly. He though. did Philly, previously. Uh, yeah, I know he did. And he said, go Hawks and all that, all that stuff. All that, Even after all that wearing the lime stuff. green suit. Rah, rah. Rah, yeah. rah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Eagles. Speaking of green, uh, undefeated team in the league. Uh, and Trotter, I'll start with you. And let's go around the room. Just the legitimacy of them. Like, how far can this go? Are we talking about, yeah, best record in the league. And they are also the best team, Super Bowl favorites. How far you want to take it, Trotter, with the Eagles? I think they can take it as far as they want to take it. Look, this is a well-coached team. It is a deep team. It's built from the inside out, which is one thing I love about it. I think too many people get enamored with with the outside, the edges of the game. Um, When Lane Johnson's in there and they're all healthy up front and whatnot, their defensive line, it's so deep, the way that they rotate and keep guys fresh. And then I also want to give love to that secondary with what Denard Wilson has been able to do in terms of having two new starters in that secondary and having that group mesh so well, so quickly, and to fit with what they're doing in the front seven. Um, look, and I haven't even talked about Jalen Hurts, who, who so many people had questions about coming into this year. I will just say, to me, they have the ability to go as far as they want to go. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I know you're going to come at me with that, Michael. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that they have the ability to go as far as they want to go. If they let's put it this way, if they stay healthy, they can win the Super Bowl. Absolutely, but, uh, that but that's every is, team, right? Well, and, uh, but I think especially with them, like you look in that Cowboys game, the turning point in the game was when Lane Johnson and CJ Gardner Johnson both went out there, and you saw the dynamic change on both sides of the ball. We've seen in the last couple of games, Jordan Mailata's missed time on that offensive line. Jason Kelsey went out for a little bit in that last game. Landon Dickerson's been coming back and staying healthy. When they come together like Voltron, that's the best offensive line in football. And when you got a rushing quarterback like Jalen Hurts and then Miles Sander in that backfield, you can roll people off the ball in a way few teams are going to be able to one, replicate, and then two, stop because you've got the old Heisman Trophy winner and Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown in that wide receiver room. Dallas Goddard in there as well. They've got weapons everywhere. And I think as much as anything on the other side, they're healthy again, right? Fletcher Cox playing resurgent football. Brandon Graham back in action. They spent money in the wide uh, the linebacker room in free agency. I, I would still, like, if we're going to power rank teams, I'd probably still put them behind the Bills and Chiefs, especially after what we saw this weekend, just because Jalen Hurts is very good at quarterback. Looks like he could legitimately be a multi-season answer for them at that spot, but he, the other two are just different. And the way we see those rosters, for the Bills, certainly loaded roster on both sides, probably the best defense in football, insane offense. And then the Patrick Mahomes experience factor in Kansas City, I'd probably still give them the edge, but this Philly team is built so complete on both sides of the ball they absolutely are Super Bowl capable. 
And one of the things that makes them Super Bowl capable is the fact that the NFC is as weak as it is. And maybe it's mm-hmm. not. And maybe they're, they're leading a, a strong division. But right now, all the quarterbacks are in the AFC. So that's where we're enamored with right now. But going back to Jalen Hurts, I mean, he finally has ca- continuity in a program. Uh, a guy who's bounced around programs and, and coordinators for a long time. Uh, we had Lane Johnson on our podcast, the Gojo podcast. And he talked about how uh, Jalen Hurts working out with the offensive line during the offseason out in the shed uh, with Lane Johnson and the rest of the offensive line is a big part of it. One of the quotes that I can't get over because I love football puns and things like that is Jalen Hurts before a game uh, screaming out to the guy saying, uh, playmakers, let's not be, let's not take the temperature in the room, let's be the thermometer, right? Like just little quips like that. Like he is a leader amongst men and yes. uh, to take it to Philly, I, I say I like in uh, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts to Mickey and Rocky from the Rocky franchise. Like, I feel like uh, Jalen Hurts is just your your guy you're going to throw out in front of the camera. He says all the right things. He, he looks great. Uh, he's going to handle the ball well. And then Nick Sirianni's just fiery, uh, spitting off at the at the mouth, but he makes everything work. And he's a game manager. Uh, like you, you talk about uh, Michael Holly, you might hate him because he's not calling the plays, but he has the ego enough to sit back and just kind of watch this team grow and mature. And I just like the fact that, like you talked about on the D-line, it's the trenches that everyone's really talking about with this with this team, and it's leading to touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Michael, let me no say this to I you got, too. I got, let, I got no problem with Sirianni, though. I got no problems with Sirianni. No. It's, let it's, me it's, let me say this to you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was yeah, talking no, ahead, to Nick. Ahead, I, no, I was talking to Sirianni after the game on Sunday, and and I said, you know, a staffer, one of your staffers, had told me prior to the game that you guys are built for this moment. And I, and I said, ask him what he meant by that. He, he said, look, we've had some games earlier this year where we've, we've kind of squandered some leads and we've had to kind of take control later and come back and do that. And so I asked Nick about that. Nick said, no, I would go even further than that. He said, I would go back to last year. And he said, I think two and five speaks mm-hmm. to what we have come wow. back from. And he said, being two and five, you learn that the only thing you can do is come every day and work hard, put in the effort, and try and improve week to week and stack it on top of uh, uh, each game on top of the other. And he really believes that that's where everything turned for the Eagles, what they were able to do last year, and obviously the pieces they brought in this this offseason. But he goes back to that 2-5, and five, at least when I was talking to him, about where this all started and where this sort of character that this team has in terms of being big enough for the moment comes from. That was also right, when before, they decided, before, especially at head coach, to start running the ball and making that their absolutely. primary mode of transportation. So yep. that was a smart move and a humbling move by Nick Sirianni. <laughs> that showed he was willing to learn, which a lot of young coaches Definitely. in first-time spots can Preach. be pretty you yep. know, pretty proud in that moment. Yeah, I Preach. respect it. I respect it. I respect it all the way. Let me, before we uh, uh, let Mike and Brandon go, I do want to ask the Notre Dame guys, and this is not a shot, okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm not taking a shot. I know you think I'm going to take some Notre Dame shot. I'm not. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm, I'm deferring to your, your experience, big time college football players. I'm wondering if we saw Tom Brady and we can, if we got that video of just going around Gary of Tom Brady, just yelling at everybody, just yelling at his teammates. <laughs> I wonder if there was a guy like that at Notre Dame or were you that guy who would go around and they could yell at you and they could get your attention. So there are two guys, one who could do it and get away with it. 
and one who tried to do it and you just wanted to smack him down because you're like, man, shut up. Go sit, go somewhere. You're not even the guy for it. So give me, give me two examples of, give me an example of a guy who could do it and a guy who couldn't, who tried to do it and, and uh, didn't get away with it. Anybody come to mind? You don't have to name names if you don't want to, but if you do, go ahead. I, I, I got one that popped in my head right, right now. Uh, Mo Crum. He's the co-defensive coordinator at Ole Miss right now. He was our uh, team captain uh, when we first got to Notre Dame. He showed us what it was really like to be. He's one of those guys that was had a tearful, all the tearful rage in his face when we're down at halftime. We was like, oh shit, like we gotta go with this dude. <laughs> yeah, it was. He was definitely the one I would say, and he didn't have to yell though. That's the difference. When he spoke, everyone just stopped. You listen. That guy was one of the best leaders I've ever been around. So him being at the helm for a group of young men is the place that he belongs right now. An exceptional leader. I, I would say the the other side of that though is I had coaches who could get up and could definitely like raise the voice. Harry Heastan, who's the O line coach at Notre Dame right now, one of the best men I've ever been around. He's a guy that's been in the NFL, had two different stints with the Bears, and had some really successful offensive lines there that's a hard guy to play for because he is going to grind you but when you know where it comes from and with Tom Brady that might be the difference this year because it seems like it's been a little more than we've been used to and everyone's probably looking around going what is this guy so angry about right now like I understand things aren't going well but this is a little different than usual when you know the place it comes from and you know a person's invested in you then you listen to what's said not how it's said then it's just all right that's your mode of communication we know where your heart's in on this one and we love and appreciate that and we can all go out and do the damn thing now but the offensive line is sitting there like oh why why are you yelling at us we covered this in the walkthrough that you weren't at because you were uh your old boss bob craft yeah you need to chill out a little bit yeah we talked about uh, yeah tom we talked about this yesterday remember oh you don't oh you don't remember you weren't here but Hmm. i appreciate you guys and by the way uh mike brandon used to do that here and that's why we had to move on. You know, he really used to just like yell at oh, people all the wow. time and yeah. just try to, you yeah, know, no, beat I, people down. I figured as much, man. He's a grinder. He'll flip that switch. He seems like the nicest guy in the world, but there's a quiet rage yeah. inside of Brandon Newman. I think that's it's right. all the I think it's the recent years of being a Lakers fan that have finally gotten to him. Oh. 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 All right, that's good. Out. Drop that it. One. Drop it. The yeah. mic. Oh, you dropped. Good job, Mike. I love it. Thanks for having us. <laughs> All right, thank you, fellas. Good to see you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm sure your teammates, Tom, could have lived without that verbal shellacking that you gave them, trying to motivate them yesterday. Can you tell us what happened? I don't know if it's motivation, but I do think that it's a bad day when there's more F-bombs than touchdowns. So (laughs) that was not one of my better days. It's all good. You know, I think I have a great rapport with all my teammates, and they know that the only reason why I'm doing it is to try to motivate them and try to get us to a higher level. It's nothing that I don't say. You know, if I don't feel like we're living up to the expectations and playing up to the expectations that we're capable, then it's that's my job. You know, I'm a quarterback. I'm, I'm not expecting the right tackle to do it. I'm not expecting the 
the running back to do it. I'm not expecting the, you know, the receiver, the receiver to do it. I'm expecting myself to do it. I'm the one out there speaking in the huddle, calling the plays. That's what my job is to try to get us going and to try to rally us. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And sometimes it's some positive encouragement, which you do a lot. Sometimes it's, you know, getting on people and trying to raise the level, the sense of urgency and raising my voice and trying to create a different vibration for the whole offense. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do. Jim Trotter, this dude talking about vibrations for the offense. Tom Brady talking about vibrations. Uh, Okay, it's a vibe, right? Uh, He had a good line, more F-bombs and touchdown passes. But the bottom line is, I look at him, and I've seen him his entire career, and this is a Tom Brady I've never seen before. Not the guy who was yelling at people. I've seen that many times. But it's Tom Brady who kind of, it's that that old Saturday Night Live uh, bit where Eddie Murphy was James Brown, and he was like trying to put his toe in the water. <laughs> he's going, man, hot toe tub. In the water. Hot, hot tub. He's going back. He's going back and in. And you know, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in the hot tub. Okay, do you want to be in? Are you in with the team? Are you retired? Are you making exceptions for yourself and not looking at it from the eyes of your teammates, but looking at it? through your own eyes and expecting them to understand because you're Tom Brady, you're the quarterback, you've revived the dormant franchise, they hadn't won the, they hadn't been to the playoffs in a dozen years before you got there, and you made them legitimate again. So maybe, Jim, in the back of his mind, is he thinking, come on, I'm good for it. You know I'm good for it. I'm the best shot you got at winning. Just understand what I'm going through. I, I think it's really tough. I don't think you can be a part-time quarterback and he is part-time in some of his actions. He is a part-time quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You and I talked about this before the start of the season, and I remember raising the question with you, at least as I understand it from being around professional athletes, and that is that once you talk about retirement, you're retired. And Tom Brady didn't talk about it. He did retire, and now he's come back. Look, the one thing with Tom Brady that we have never, ever been able to do is question commitment. And when he misses a walkthrough and is not with the team on a Friday night because he goes to Robert Kraft's wedding, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, was Bill Belichick at that that wedding? He was not. He was not. He was not there because he had to get ready for the game. That's my point. They needed needed it. They needed that win in Cleveland. I I can't drop by New York. And and, uh, and and incredibly think I'm prepared for a game we got to win in Cleveland. Now, some of his players were there. And if they had lost this game, I'm talking about the Patriots players, they probably would be getting some smoke here, uh, here in Boston and nationally. Well, what, what are you doing there? Devin McCourty was there and David Andrews. If David Andrews had given up a couple of sacks on, on, Brady, on Brady Zappi, they'd be like, hey, man, you're not focused on the job at hand? You got a backup? You got a third-string quarterback? And you spending time at the owner's wedding? Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, they got away with it. They won. If Tom Brady had thrown five touchdown passes in Pittsburgh, we'd be celebrating him. Right. fact is, he didn't. And this is not the first time, as you pointed out, it's not the first time that he has stepped away and made an exception for right. himself. I don't know if the team is doing it. I, I, I heard, but let me ask you this before I get ahead of myself. Do you believe Todd Bowles when Bowles says, he doesn't get special treatment. No, I have a hard time believing that. 
I don't believe it either. No, I, I don't believe that. Look, you've been around professional sports long enough. Those who are the greats of the greats typically will get preferential treatment in terms of how they're treated. The thing, I, I wrote this down as Tom was talking, and when he was talking about his job, he said it is to motivate and is to get to a higher level. And look, mm -hmm. I don't think Tom Brady needs to be at a walkthrough for Tom Brady to be at a higher level. But I do think his teammates need him there for them to get to a higher level and for him to show that he truly is all in with them. I mean, when you leave for 11 days in training camp and now you're wow. in a tough, a tough stretch. See, that's the one that blows not... my mind. Yeah, that's I, the one that still know, blows my mind. 11 days in training camp. Are you kidding? Yeah, and you weren't holding I mean, out is... and it wasn't a holdout. Yeah, this is not the Tom Brady we know. And and so, look, when things get tough, you need all your guys. You close that circle, right? You don't expand it. You close it. You all come together. You got each other's back. And I'm not in any way saying that Tom Brady doesn't have his teammates back, but I'm saying they need him there, right? And And for him not to be and then to act the way that he acted on the sideline. And if I, I tried to, to read lips and listen as best I could to what he was saying, and at one point I heard him say to them, to some extent, you can play better than this, right? Mm. You know, it, it's like, can they? Probably. But Tom, is that really the time, in my opinion, when you haven't been there with them? It, it's just It just doesn't hey. sit well with me and, and it's hard for me to say this about Tom Brady again. Yeah, I know he he's doesn't a, need a walkthrough. He's the best leader, Jim. He's the best leader that I've seen up close. Because all he's done his whole career is sacrifice. Is is incredible. It, it, he has a way of just getting the most out of not only star players, but the, the least likely the guys that you really aren't thinking of. He has he not only does he get the most out of them, but he's got connections with them. I mean, he's you know, sometimes he's just going around in his spare time. You know, some people are just relaxing in his spare time. Sometimes he's just sending a text to people that he used to play with three years ago, or five years ago. Hey, thinking about you, love you. Just sending this kind of stuff, like really connecting with a range of personalities. But this is different for him. And I, he's probably learning. I, I, I wish that, you know, there's a little more vulnerability on his podcast where he could just say, I'm not talking about his personal life because obviously something's going on there. I'm talking about this is different for Brady to play the 2021 season, retire for 40 days, come back from that 40-day retirement, have the 11-day break from training camp, come back, take some days off, miss a walkthrough, this is new territory for him. So he's an old player trying to do something that he's never done before in his decorated career. And if he talked about it, I think uh, I think it would be instructive. I think it'd be instructive for us, but I think it'd be instructive for his teammates too. Speaking of instructive, when I think of Jim Trotter, I think of San Diego. I do. And you're still there. When I think of the Chargers, I, I, think, I think of San Diego. They are no longer there. But when I see them, I still think San Diego. Uh, and when I thought of, when I think of the Dodgers and their collapse, I think of San Diego again. <laughs> I mean, wow. So I just want you to just take all that. Take, take, char take Chargers, 
and, and take the uh, the Padres and and just tell us what this means for the great city of San Diego. Uh, some some pretty incredible stuff happening, particularly with the baseball team. Yeah, no question. I mean, with the Padres, look, they had gotten their tails handed to them by the Dodgers all year. And even if it weren't this year, every other year, we're so close in terms of proximity that there's that natural, you, you can call it a rivalry if you want, but we always talk about rivalries there. It has to be competitive, really hasn't been competitive between the two cities or franchises. Um, so for them to win that, that was huge. But for me, what it was about, I've been in San Diego for 32, 33 years now, coming from the Bay Area up in San Francisco where I was born. And San Diego is a city for me athletically for <laughs> excuse me from a sports standpoint where the city seems to continually have its heart broken in one way or the other and the chargers leaving i mean it devastated this city in the sense that the chargers were the number one team in san diego never get it mistaken they love the padres but the chargers were the number one team it drove this city mm. and so for them to leave um, it was so bad and people were so heartbroken that even I, Michael, who don't watch much baseball, who rarely goes to baseball games, even thought about buying season tickets from the Padres just to show my support for the last major local professional sports team. Um, so for them to beat the Dodgers, again, after, after being dominated by that franchise this season, and to see the city come together and to see it happen in San Diego, for me, was just huge, you know, because it was like a spirit boost for this city. And then to turn on That's the television good. last night and to watch the Chargers in Los Angeles, I felt for the players, to be honest with you, because I don't know that they're ever going to have a home field advantage there. And I understand the business of football. Don't get me wrong. And I understand why the move was made and all of those things. But the Chargers just don't belong in Los Angeles. Um that's just how I feel. And again, I understand the business of it and how it all went down and why. But for the players, I feel for them because every yeah. it's like playing 17 road games, man. You know, so I'm disappointed for the Charger players from that standpoint. I'm ecstatic for the Padres franchise to have this moment. Um, the weather's going to be beautiful as it always is out here for the most part. The country's going to get to see it. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm thrilled for that franchise to be quite frank with you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you and I, when I see the uh, Chargers stuff that you have in the background when I see those great those great helmets, I, you know, last night they're wearing the gold pants and I instinctively go back and say, okay, where's Charlie Joyner? Where's where's uh, Kellen, Kellen Winslow? Winslow? Where's Dan, Dan Fouts? You know, you just start thinking about San Diego. It's so strange yeah. and on top of that, on top of that, just a small thing. I don't know how they fix it. Maybe they don't. One of the great team songs, San Diego Superchargers. <laughs> We're coming your way. We're going to dazzle you with our play. I, you know, I, but do they keep that? The do time has come. You know we're shooting song. for number one. Number with thunderbolts one. and lightning. Light up the sky. The sky. We're yeah, giving all we yeah. got to give. No, no, no. It's the sky. It's not the sky. It's the sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're giving all we got Come to on. give. You know. No, oh I always said God. this about that song, Michael. I always said I love it's so song. bad, it's good. It's so bad, I, right, it's good. Exactly. It's like you it's know? like a knockoff. 
Somebody listened to was like, okay, what's hot right now? They took what's hot from the 19. <laughs> it's so 70s. It must have been made in the 70s. It sounds so 70s. So they took. It's like a knockoff. It's like an Earth, Wind, and Fire garage band. You know. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm gonna be Maurice White. I'm Maurice. Okay, here we go. San Diego. Uh, oh, it's too so, much. And, and but, un- you know, untold story. I used to always sing that song before a game. Or when I was at ESPN before I would go on the air, I would just have fun and sing it, and everyone would laugh at me. And I would say, once you've been around it long enough, it never leaves your head. You know, it's it's just oh, it's sort of infectious. It's an earworm for sure. We gotta bring that. We gotta bring that to the show. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, look at this, uh, Jim Trotter. This is uh, LeBron James through the years. This is his 20th opening night in the NBA and his first game. I still remember we were talking about California earlier. I think his first game was in Sacramento. He was 18 years old. Uh, he was going to be 19 uh, later that year and he came out and there was so much hype about LeBron James and you were thinking there's no way this guy this kid can exceed the hype and he certainly did night one first night in the NBA. Uh, he was already one of the best 15 or 20 players the league has seen. And so here we are now. He's not 18 anymore. Uh, he is 38 uh, going on 39. <laughs> He'll be 39 in December. It's amazing. So uh, NBA season starts tonight. You got your Warriors uh, repeating as champions. Oh, Think is that a repeat? question? Rhetorical That's question? a question. That's a question. No, it's a real question. Oh, really? Hey, they both. I'd say this, Jim. Both NBA finalists have to overcome some drama. The Warriors with the punch and the Celtics with the scandal let, with their head coach. Let me say this to you. It, it will be as much fun watching the Warriors' second unit as it is watching their first unit. I can't wait for the season to get started. Well, the season is starting tonight. The Warriors get their rings. They take on the Lakers, Celtics, Sixers. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.